0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Climate-focused philanthropy has increased significantly in recent years, but it's still insufficient relative to the size and urgency of the challenge. Randall Kempner is a senior advisor at the Energy and Environment Program of the Aspen Institute and a global leader in advancing policy solutions for critical issues. He joins me today to discuss why less than 2% of global philanthropy is focused on climate related giving, while 85% of all U.S. Foundation funders stated in a recent report that climate change is a top three issue. Nevertheless, only one-third reported they were open to considering funding efforts to address climate change. Randall will join me shortly to discuss this dilemma, but first I want to say a few words about our sponsor. If you're tuning in to this podcast, then you already understand the crucial role finance plays in the transition to a sustainable future. With the right individuals leading the way in top companies, sustainability becomes more than just a buzzword. That's why we're excited to have Acre as our sponsor. As a world-leading sustainability search and recruitment company, Acre enables organizations to create real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in their teams. Visit the Acre website to learn more about their latest opportunities Or to get in touch about building your perfect team hello randall and welcome to the sustainable finance podcast
1: all thanks very much for having me on
0: it's a pleasure to have you on the program today and we're going to jump right into the questions because we've got a lot of ground to cover the aspen institute report that i've referenced which you wrote was published in march of this year 2023 Have things changed since then? And what is the present state of climate philanthropy in the U.S.?
1: Uh, Well, sadly, Paul, things haven't changed much. Um, The present state of philanthropy in the United States focused on climate is still not great. And I say that both in terms of the quantity of financial flow to philanthropic causes in climate as well as the quality of it. So if you start with the good news, um, it is still going up. Uh, and gosh knows we need it to be, uh, climate philanthropy continues to increase, particularly among foundation givers, both globally in the United States. Um, but it's not nearly, not going nearly fast enough to keep up with the urgency and the importance of the problem, which is climate change. So according to the most recent climate works foundation annual report specifically on climate mitigation philanthropy, uh, in 2022, um, the total amount of individual and foundation giving that they were able to uncover was between 7.8 and $12.8 billion globally. Now that, however, is only about 1.6% of total global philanthropy. And according to climate works, that percentage has never been as high as 2%. Wow. So yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> kind of shocking. Yeah, sure is. Um, For those of us who believe that climate change is, if not the biggest, one of the biggest challenges facing humanity today, the fact that philanthropy has never been at 2% of global philanthropy is shocking. And it's kind of the motivation behind why I wrote the report to try to understand what's going on there and what can be done to address it.
0: So, Randall, what's so hard about unlocking climate philanthropy?
1: Um, Let me... Before I answer that question, I want to focus on this quality point, which I didn't get to. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, Let's
0: go back to that, please.
1: I I do think it's a really important one, which is regardless of the amount, what you would find are two really, I think, challenging facts. One, that philanthropists themselves, when they are asked, and the Center for Effective Philanthropy did this, how effective is your climate philanthropy? So these are folks doing it. Only about 11% gave themselves a five on a scale of five, one to five. So very effective. And those same people said that only uh, that only 4% of them believed that the overall sector of philanthropy is doing a good job at addressing climate change. Wow. So philanthropists um, don't think they themselves are doing a great job. right? And then if you do, and there's some value judgments about what I'm going to say, but if you care about climate justice, so BIPOC-led organizations, women-led organizations, frontline communities, uh, emerging markets, places which are already receiving the brunt of the negative impacts of climate, you would find that it's tiny percentages of philanthropy that's going to those types of organizations and geographies. So it really is both, right? We need more, and we need it to be better directed.
0: All right. So now, Let's get on to question number two here. What's so hard about unlocking this uh, climate philanthropy phenomenon uh, or the lack of it, if you will?
1: So let's start uh, back at that scary stat that you mentioned in the introduction that in a survey of 188 U.S. climate philanthropists in 2022, so recently, 85 percent of them said that climate change was a top three challenge facing uh, the United States. And 60% of them called it, quote, an extremely urgent, unquote, problem. But only one third of those leaders, those same leaders, said that they were considering, not even actually doing it, changing their climate or their their foundation strategies to focus on climate. So I'm like, what?
0: Yeah. That's
1: how the same response I think you had, right? Mm-hmm. So what the heck's going on? Well, one, um, I think it just comes down to the fact that climate change is a big honking systems problem where it's hard to figure out what you can do and make a difference. Uh, it's hard to understand. It's intangible in many ways. Um, and so it is, um, it's an issue. It's like you have to find ways to help people who aren't already focused on it to get involved. Now, I would say it is really frustrating that the, the climate leaders that were surveyed, uh, a vast majority of them when asked, why wouldn't they focus on climate change? Said that uh, it's quote not part of the foundation's mission. So that to me, that's organizational inertia, and I sort of have two responses to this. Like, one, if it's so big of a problem, change your damn mission, right? Like, missions can be changed, uh, and perhaps more productively and and uh, empathetically, at least do the work to understand how climate change is going to impact the things that you care about. So if you care about education or healthcare or homelessness or community development, the fact is climate change is going to make it harder for you to hit the goals that you have as a philanthropist and as a community in all of those areas. So um, the challenge becomes figuring out how to help foundations understand that climate matters to the things that they care about and then giving them the tools to do that analysis and to incorporate a climate lens to their work. So be an education funder, but recognize that you need to think about how climate is going to impact your education outcomes.
0: You know, I I can't help but think that data and analytics – are a significant part of these issues, especially on the, at the community level. As you were saying, the many foundations don't even seem to be aware of the impact that's already happening, that is climate-related, in their communities and based on their, uh, their focus of forgiving. So what can be done to help foundations see how climate matters to their existing community focus areas?
1: yeah well so i think i may disagree because the data's out there okay uh, and what we learn more and more is that it's stories and it's peers that matter i see uh and i also think it's lived experiences and this is where i get even more shocked honestly paul i mean uh just walk outside in the summer Mm -hmm. if you're in the pacific northwest you were greeted with wildfires and smoke I, i happen to know that uh your neck of the woods it was, it was orange. orange, yes, right? New it was. was orange for yeah. a week. Yeah. I mean, how can that not do that? And I, I live in Austin, Texas, uh, and we were treated with 44 consecutive days of a hundred degree plus high temperatures, which blew away the, la- the last record, which we set long ago last year in 2022 of only about 20 days. And so, Maybe I'm I'm making an argument which is proving my point wrong because any philanthropist, any person can walk outside and see that something weird is happening. But it's that translation from, whoa, something's weird is happening to what can I do about it, which is so hard. And so I I do think there are things that can be done uh, and things that are happening. Um, There are a growing number of funder collaboratives people like to fund in groups. Uh, particularly when they can rely on trusted partners who are doing due diligence on good initiatives or organizations. Okay. So you've seen a um, a significant increase in things like the uh, methane hub, and there are new collaboratives focused on renewable agriculture. There are a couple of really brand new ones focused on the implementation of the Inflation Reduction Act and other government uh, policies that are creating lots of incentives in the United States. So. That is a thing which I, I'm helpful, I'm I'm hopeful about, and I think will lead to more funding. I also think it's really important for us as a community, and I, I think of myself as part of it now, to be able to highlight existing opportunities of proven scientific solutions that just need to be scaled now. So I like the old gray baggy sweatpants solutions like biochar and building retrofits stuff that have been around for decades or millennia in the case of biochar. And we just need to actively create the different players. And it's not just philanthropy. And I I should be really clear about this. You know, philanthropy is not the only kind of money that matters. We need investment. We need government. We need corporate action to buy things that are more sustainable, but philanthropists aren't yet holding up, uh, Holding up their end of the bargain
0: okay so back to your report uh, where you highlight a highlighted recommendation is for all potential climate philanthropists to think about climate across your financial life Um, so in other words you're suggesting to people that as as we've been discussing this is part of their day-to-day lives this is part of their financial future in, in, in one way or another, probably in multiple ways for people who do f- philanthropy. Please elaborate on this idea for our followers of the Sustainable Finance Podcast.
1: Sure. Thanks. So first of all, what I would say is to those of you who are listening who are philanthropists, and in particular, those that have an endowed foundation or access to one, anywhere where there is um, sort of a financial corpus, which is driving the philanthropy, uh, you need to think about more than just the grants you make. So first of all, you can think about what else you are doing to support your grantees, whether that is advocacy or uplifting your grantee messaging, not just grant making. But critically, it's looking at how you invest the 95%. Um, As many of your listeners probably know, Paul, the United States, if you are a foundation, you're required to get 5% right. approximately, of your assets every year. So in the field, we often talk, well, what about the other 95%? Like, what do you do with that? And so the entreaty here is that you as a foundation leader or a philanthropist or just an individual should align your investment strategy with your values. Don't let some random financial advisor do it at the risk of uh like some people out here Um, i i
0: was one for 23 years i know and i was on boards while i was doing that so i know exactly what you're talking about
1: so specifically what that means is hey you should ask do you want your money to be invested in the fossil fuel industries and if you do okay that's your choice um But you might also prefer that your money be uh, targeted at clean energy or green energy or or green companies. Um, You should start asking questions, figure out what your values are and align them. And if they happen to align with mine in this case, which is to focus on opportunities to address the climate challenge, you need to then go beyond the existing ESG screens which, as I'm sure this audience understands, are a mechanism to assess how climate will impact companies, not how companies will impact climate. Uh, And if you haven't done a a podcast on ESG and what it is and what it isn't, um, I'd love to come back or suggest some folks for you to talk about it. Sure. But the good news is there are plenty now of sustainability-focused financial products that move beyond an ESG screen into what I would call a climate positive screen so you can get retirement plans donor advised fund investing mutual funds basic banking even right all of those products now are out there with a sustainability or a green lens and i would encourage anyone who is serious about this to, to look closely at Tups. okay
0: you know i i mean the, the organization that i'm sure you're familiar with the intentional endowment network is a um as a focus on educational institutions, that's where it got started, and that's how it's growing its climate-related philanthropy through university endowments. What are you and the Aspen Institute doing to make sure that this report that you wrote is not just another document that sits on a digital shelf somewhere, And how can followers of the Sustainable Finance Podcast help with this effort? Because I do participate in other programs like with the Intentional Endowment Network. So we'd like to contribute somehow.
1: Um, Yeah, I guess the first thing I would say is, yeah, we're trying to uplift voices of, of institutions like Intentional Endowment Network. The Mission Investors Exchange is another one that does similar work more broadly. There are lots of groups that are uh, focused on this in some way on the investment side. Um, angel groups like Tonic uh, that that are trying to help individual institutions do this. Um, and so that's kind of a response to your broader question. In terms of the actual report and sort of the, the call for philanthropy specifically to dive in, I mean, obviously I'm talking to anyone who will listen, including famous podcasters in New York. Uh, <laughs> if you have any friends you know, in other states, you should send me to them. Um, Also, I've been working uh, along with my colleagues at Aspen to get this report into the hands of foundations, in particular, kind of community foundations across the country. Sure. Started here in Austin and also had conversations down in Houston. We want to basically get this information into the hands of the climate curious. So folks that, that like get it, you know, like climate change is a thing, but really honestly don't understand how they can play as a philanthropist. And so this report is sort of designed to help the climate curious, understand the challenges, and to give them some questions and to give them some frameworks that might help them get involved. Later today, actually, I'm leaving for California, where I'm going to be curating a meeting with 25 uh, what we call philanthropy support organizations, broadly. So these would be networks of philanthropists, philanthropic advisory firms, kind of educational associations for philanthropy, to sit around for a couple days and say, all right, what actually works, given these problems? And most importantly, what can we do as a field and as a group of 25 organizations to help promote more climate philanthropy quickly and effectively? Uh, Yeah, we're not letting it go. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, in terms of your individual readers, I mean, obviously, uh, I would encourage anyone who is interested to read the report. It's out there. It's public. You can find it on the Aspen Institute website. Uh, certainly, um, to your question, feel free to contact me uh, via email, randall.kempner at aspeninstitute.org. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, and then um, the other thing I would say uh, to throw in a little pitch is uh, for the Aspen Ideas Climate event that we host annually in March. Um, it's coming up March 11th through 13th uh, in partnership with the city of Miami Beach. So we will be there. Not a bad place to be if uh, you happen to live in the Northeast and want to uh, go learn about climate. So I would invite people to um, to come join me there, assuming they're willing to uh, to do carbon offsets for their plane trip down from New York. <laughs>
0: Well, we will encourage our followers to do just that, and it's also great timing for this program, this episode, for us to suggest that you take us sort of in your back pocket to your upcoming meeting. And we're always looking for, for interesting and uh, forward-thinking and climate-related people to have as guests on the podcast. So please gather names for us and, and let's have another conversation about this. And as you have already suggested, your your report is available at the Aspen Institute site, but we would like to attach it to this program in the Bright Talk channel where our library is, is held. And people can access it there as well and Randall you've already given out uh, one address but where where else online can our listeners learn more about the Aspen Institute and your role there and how can followers of the sustainable finance podcast contact you with questions about the topics that we've discussed in today's episode
1: So yeah, just www.aspeninstitute.org is the main website. If you type in energy environment program, you'll find us. Uh, I mentioned randall.kempner at aspeninstitute.org, LinkedIn. I'm often found at the Taco Shack, which is my favorite breakfast taco place (laughs) in Austin. So I'd be happy to to host anyone who comes down here. Okay. uh, Amazing breakfast tacos. Um, And otherwise, um, you know, just reach out whenever you can. Uh, I'm less important than you uh, reading the report and, uh, and, and just thinking about how you can align your investments with your values.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very much, Randall Kempner, and for our listeners. If you're ready to take your team to the next level, or if you're an experienced sustainability professional, visit the Acre website to get in touch. With the right individuals leading the way in your company, sustainability becomes more than just a buzzword. Let Acre enable real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in your teams. And to our followers, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast.